Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, whether they're eBooks or earrings. Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Today, you're here with Ronit Pinto. And Ronit is a filmmaker. She's also founder and publisher of Honeysuckle Magazine. Ronit, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. So I always like to start with guests just kind of giving a little bit of background on themselves. And I'd love to hear a lot about, about Honeysuckle and kind of how things came to fruition for you. And then we can talk a little bit about cannabis and how that fits into the into the scheme of things. Sure. Well, I, um, I was working for a fashion and design publication in Detroit and I got really into the styling that was going on and and the photo shoots I saw in the old W magazines, like, um, I think it was Alex King or Alex White and some of the stylists and photographers. And I got really into print media at that time for the visual impact. Before that, I, I was interning as a journalist at the Jerusalem post in, in Israel where I lived for a while in Tel Aviv. And, uh, was freelancing in Detroit, so always kind of had a background as a writer, then got more into the visual design part of it, and then congruently started working in film yep. a few years later. So bouncing back and forth between film and media, it kind of all really came together for me and Honeysuckle. And um, I had been doing independent projects with friends, and then at some point just kind of had like a vision, like I, I just said, you know, I'm just going to do this. <laughs> I did do it. Yeah, a calling. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And so tell us about Honeysuckle. Like for you, what what is the intent? What's the purpose? Like why Honeysuckle and, and what are you hoping to achieve with it? So 
it started more, um, it was when I was in Detroit, which was actually kind of like a sort of a dark time for, it was like a decadent dark, but necessary and fun mm -hmm. time for me. Yeah. So the origins of Honeysuckle reflect that. I think they were more fringy, dark, you know, exploring these like counterculture subjects that I found really interesting. And I still do. So we had that, but yeah. we we're more mainstream. So I like um, merging different subject matters into one publication, which is kind of where cannabis comes in too. It's like such an interesting cross section between so many different yeah. parts of the state. Yeah. So, and what have you, I guess, thinking uh, about some of the topics and, and thinking about how cannabis fits in, how, I guess, how does it fit in for you? Like, how, what, how do you see cannabis, not only kind of as a, you know, from an industry point of view, but from a cultural point of view, what are the important points? Well, for us, it's been really interesting because our issues are themed. So each issue we've had, whether it was like, you know, the sex issue mm -hmm. or the home issue, um, hers issue, we did cannabis. And that's what really got us into the whole world cross-sectionally, like from yeah. medicine to culture to all that. So through that, like because of that, we now have an integrated honey pot in each of our themes. So though we're not an exclusively cannabis yeah. publication, each section now has a honey pot. And for us, what that means is like, we can explore all the different elements. There's social, like our next issue after the current one is called the black issue about African-American culture mm -hmm. in our society. So we can dive into the social justice implications of cannabis. So there's the legislative aspects, there's the cultural aspects. There's so much music, you know, related to it, fashion. Yeah. There's like a whole vibe going on just in cannabis culture, like from a recreational point of view, as well as medicinally. I mean, for us, we found so, we're like fascinated by that. Yeah. Um, we interviewed an Israeli scientist at MJ Biz last year, and she um, studied with the man who discovered it, Dr. Mashulam. Okay. Tell me he's about it. Yeah. He's an Israeli scientist. I think he's in his 70s now. He discovered it in the THC molecule in the 60s, and he hasn't consumed it, actually. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's quoted as saying... Sorry, my cat. <laughs> <laughs> feline, feline noise in the background. He's quoted as saying he he's not sure humanity is worthy of what all what the plant can offer. Wow. So, um, so three cats. So for us, I think just the like wonder and discovery and innovation and like new findings that that might happen from this plan are just super fun for us to follow. So tell us about a little some of the some of the topics you've covered written about some of the people you've met because I think it's it's fascinating the, the the sort of the characters and the information and the stories that are out there. What are some of the things you've covered in the magazine? Well, we covered um lawsuit against Jeff Sessions. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of the attorneys here in New York that were you know, friendly with or friends with that interviewed us yep. that were actually, you know, in court with him handling the lawsuit against Jeff Sessions. So we go from that to we just interviewed the president of Acreage, um, George Allen, you know, and they just had their they closed like their record uh, round of funding. I don't yep. know if you read which was exciting. We also interview Spleef, like people who do um you know, lifestyle brands yeah. or events and infused beverages and stuff. Um, Alan Cumming was a celebrity on our cover who is purely recreational, but, yeah. you know, he uses it for a lot of stuff like stress. We've talked to veterans, you know, um, regarding PTSD, people in the hemp space, you know, talking about all that. We also talked to Phuket Asafa. She's originally from Ethiopia. She has a brand called Elevated Naturally. Don't know it. Interesting. Yeah, she's in Colorado, I think, or maybe she moved. 
she doesn't consume it at all. That she just has this really rich history of like in Ethiopia of her grandmother and everyone using the plant medicinally through for like centuries, yeah. never ever ever consuming it. Like for them, it was just like a no no. You only use it. And she said that it was hidden from like your average Joe from the people because mm-hmm. of all these miraculous things they could do. So I found that interesting too, just the separation between like recreational and, and healing. Yeah. And then Craig Zappi has been one of our biggest sponsors and supporters. And he has the your CBDs of long Island, Yeah. you know, and he's a, an organic farmer. He's been doing this. He's a horticulturist, you know, one of the only ones from his generation. And, and now he has his own CBD line. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's quite a range. What are some of the themes that you've seen kind of come up in your various conversations? Like what's, what, what are the kind of the topics being discussed from your point of view in the cannabis culture right now? What are, what are, what are the things that are part of the zeitgeist? Well, you know, certainly money is a big yeah. one that comes up. We find a lot of like entrepreneurs or potential investors or actual investors and people wanting to get in the space literally to just cash in. Like, yeah. you know, and some of it, I mean, I'm certainly not here to judge anyone, but yeah. you can tell <laughs> Some people, some people really love the plant for the plant itself, and they're looking at this as a great way to like make to capitalize yeah. off of. And some people, it's just is very, very financially driven, which is interesting to watch, mm-hmm. especially here in New York where it's so emerging. Yeah. So that's a big one, and then you also have these people who are like out of the woodworks that like you just they're so knowledgeable and almost like scientists in their own way you know yeah. without a degree that are now able to share their knowledge and it's like incredible it's like they've been kind of underground hiding this whole time and now they have like a voice yeah and a budding no pun intended uh in the uh in the market <laughs> exactly also i should add the, yeah. the female presence like there's a you know women yeah. So talk to me about that, because I think, you know, a couple of people have mentioned it. What is the what is that force at play there? I mean, I I think it's great. I think it's a it's a fascinating sort of sector of the economy that has this kind of female focus. And I came out of the tech space, which unfortunately is is not, you know, has a lot of issues in terms of female participation, both on the development side and on the entrepreneurial side and the leadership side. What is different about the cannabis space? Like why this kind of trend and why this uh, topic? Well, you know, the CEO and founder of MJ Biz, Cassandra Farrington, is female. And you, you just sort of like, in general, we found a lot of founders are females in the cannabis space. I don't know exactly why. It's interesting, the, the female part of the plant is the THC yeah. part, you know. So yeah. there's just like a feminine energy to the plant. Yeah. And they're just finding that in this industry, there's a lot of room for women. I mean, some of it's proactive, but I think yeah. some of it seems to be kind of organic. Yeah. I mean, they're supporting each other and creating a, an environment for women to thrive. But I think it's also just seems to be inherent in this industry, yeah, maybe a, from growing aspect of it even. Yeah, and I, I think that's true. I think that it is both that there's some sort of structural and history and we've had some you know strong leadership and some good sort of examples and role models. But yeah, also the, kind of the energy level, I think that they're the nature of the industry and in its history, you know, is kind of appreciates and I think accentuates some of the kind of feminine qualities or, or feminine aspects of business. And I think that that is was one of the fascinating aspects of the industry. So any other themes or anything else that you've seen in terms of uh, the content you've been developing, the people you've been speaking to, things that you've seen out there in terms of conversations? Yeah, well, I know a lot of people are very, very excited about what's going on in Jersey yeah. and New York. You know, we've had a lot of people from the West Coast just like, you know, kind of like super excited about what's going on here and wanting to get a foothold here. So that's certainly something. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of 
ancillary companies popping up like vape pens and different, mm-hmm. you know, consumer products. You know, I mean, there's just so much. Like I said, I'm personally interested mostly in a lot of the opioid replacements, like how mm-hmm. cannabis replace prescription drugs a lot and help people with PTSD and anxiety and serious medical issues, epilepsy, like that's fascinating to me. And, you know, also how they're just now discovering like what all it can do and the different ways you can, you know, play with the molecule to figure it out with the different strains. And like, they haven't, they haven't had funding for that. So like, they're just, they have a lot. It seems like they've come far, but there's so much more they can do. So personally, that's my main interest in it. Yeah, no. And that's um, another amazing thing about this sector is that there is so many facets to it. So you can, you can, you can enjoy be fascinated by cannabis for many, many reasons. You know, you mentioned this whole kind of West Coast, East Coast thing. Do you see a big difference or do you see kind of characteristics, uh, attributes? Uh, I guess, do you see the division? Do you see there's a strong, do you sense the strong kind of difference between East Coast, West Coast parts of this industry? And then what are those things that you see that are different between them if you see it? You know, I haven't really been to the West Coast much. It does seem to be, I mean, I could be wrong about yeah. this, less like here it's very almost tech slash industry related, yeah. you know, and I don't know if that's the case there. It's, I don't know. I feel like California's just been so synonymous with like weed in general, mm-hmm. you know, throughout time. So it feels like the vibe is a little bit different. They've been, you know, you could get your med- medical card there a lot longer yep. than here. So, and again, I haven't really visited, like they've already got their dispensaries kicking out there. They've got, yeah. you know, it's just a different culture, but here there's a lot of hustle, like business and industry and events and meetups and all that cannabis related. I don't know that they have that as much there. Yeah. Do you? I would agree. I think that there is, um, I think there's twofold. One is the kind of the legalization side of it has been there for a little while. And so, yes, they're, they're kind of ahead of the curve in terms of, you know, getting the dispensaries, the facilities, the processing of all that is, is kind of underway. I think the other thing too is just culturally, you know, California has had such a, a long history with cannabis weed culture that, you know, there's depth there that impacts that side. I think in the East Coast, you know, we don't have that long legacy of of culture, which changes the nature of how it's showing up here. Yes, I would say there's a lot more kind of business angle to it. Finance is certainly huge. Uh, you know, tech is another one that's that's becoming big here. But um you know, I think it's also, you know, as New Jersey gets close to going here and then, you know, most likely New York and some of the other uh, mid-Atlantic folks here, that it will be very interesting to see how that kind of influx or involvement of kind of this East Coast culture into the industry kind of affects the industry overall. You know, how, how is it going to kind of sway things or um, push things in, di- in different ways? And I think actually that's one of the interesting kind of topics in general about the cannabis industry is because you know, kind of starting with this weed culture as we move into this much more kind of multifaceted and and I think in some respects much more mainstream, you know, adoption of cannabis at some level, like that, that's a big deal. Like that's, that's going to be, you know, not only from a market size point of view, but from a culture point of view, what, I mean, I guess, how do you see, or what do you see as being the kind of the challenges or, or the potential kind of shifts that happen as we move from this kind of weed culture to, cannabis culture that's multifaceted with lots of different parts of the population and culture and society. Like, do you see, do you see anything there? You know, I guess I know one of the things that comes to mind is like diversity in this space. Yeah. So I know that there's a lot of very like important and powerful African-American groups that are like really pushing that. Cause they're saying that they have a voice and a presence in the space that 
they're saying that, you know, because they were the most adversely affected by the war on drugs, where, you know, you had people from their communities getting locked up for decades for weed, breaking apart families and all this stuff, that there should be some sort of reparation. Beyond that, you know, the fact that now cannabis is becoming mainstream, and that's been such a huge part of their culture, weed, that they also got locked up for, that now to, like, not even be able to have a chance in the industry because they can't either afford the licensing or, you know, a plethora of other reasons a lot of times, too. I guess the investors coming in come from Google and are more tech profile, like you said, which tend to be white male affluent, um, you know, so there's like not a lot of room for like in many industries for African Americans and they're really making, uh, they're being loud about it. And I really, I appreciate that. I like to see that, um, and making waves. Like there's some, some big companies forming and doing really important stuff. And I, I don't know if that's going to be a conflict. I know yeah. they're trying, you know, very hard to make sure that they have a seat at the table. They're, yeah. you know, seeing the hashtag. And I hope that, that that it's successful. I don't know what the risk is there. Like, yeah. I do see some posts on social media, like, they're getting left out. But then again, I also see the impact that a lot of these, like, MJM strategy and uh, minorities for medical marijuana and a lot of organizations, Cannabis Cultural Association, like dedicated to making sure that minorities have a voice in the space. Yeah. So, again, that's like a possible. I'm not sure how that's going to play out exactly. Yeah. And I think it's an important dynamic. I mean, I know there's another there's kind of a legal uh, facet to that as well. There's a, a fairly strong push for expungement of uh, yeah. criminal records just because it because enforcement was so racially biased that. You know, it puts people in a situation where they they don't have access to be able to start ventures, access to funding, financing, et cetera, because they have these criminal records, which, you know, unfortunately were were enforced uh, disproportionately from a racial point of view. So going back and trying to expunge those records so that we can have a more equal playing field, you know, is certainly a one step to kind of correcting the situation. But I think it is the growth in the industry and the opportunity is bringing those issues to light. And it's, it's fascinating to see kind of from a, both a business, but also a cultural point of view, people work that out, yeah. figuring out really what is the solution and, and how do we create a level playing field and how do we create opportunity for everyone. Let's talk a little bit about media and content, because I think that's, you know, obviously being a, a publisher or looking at the content side of things, I've been fascinating to see you know, how content, how media is playing a role in this kind of development. Where do you see kind of the power of media and content in helping shape, helping develop cannabis culture in general, but culture as well? You know, what what are the forces at play and, and what are some of the goals that you see for Honeysuckle? In general, it's been interesting for me because I feel like you have these like, like high times or dope, which have been yeah. just like traditionally cannabis, right? Yeah. And, and you know, it's kind of curious, like, will this mainstreamification take away from what they're doing or add to it? Because it was always like their strong point was like this countercultural element, right? That they yeah. were just so tied into, especially high times. I mean, it's iconic. Yeah. And now, you know, when you kind of take that away, it's like, yeah. well, what is it then, you know? And then it's interesting too, like Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine, you know, really focusing on the industry and financial aspects. And to me, that seems like the thing that's going to make it mainstream the fastest because you're bringing it to a Caucasian affluent demographic, you know, they're going to be like, oh, I can invest in this or, you know, for us, I think we really are like, we approach it like we approach many subjects that we cover in general. Like it's truly normalized 
for us in our minds. Like we look at it openly and inclusively, like what is this plant? You know, what is it? Like I love going to parties, even though I'm not a consumer or a huge consumer, I do like going to parties and just like having that cannabis vibe of people who do consume. It's very honeysuckle. Like, I don't know, just something about being sort of relaxed, chill, like the music, just the vibe. And some of that might have to do with the spiritual implications that, we found and you know have been inquiring about that people who consume yeah. cannabis are looking for honeysuckle just sort of in its essence has a very spiritual component in that we you know meditate breathe have like open conversations with one another mm-hmm. you know we, we feel the quality of our work is definitely related to our peace of mind or physical health and all yeah. that i think that's synonymous with some people who consume like mm-hmm. we don't use i don't use cannabis most of my editors to achieve that, but a lot of people do for some sort of like, you know, communication with spirituality or the divine. Like I find that, so that's something in common with us that I think we kind of gravitate towards in cannabis, even though oddly we don't use cannabis as that tool. Yeah. And I, I think the whole kind of wellness, mindfulness sector of cannabis is, is certainly a huge, it's a huge one (laughs) and it's growing. But yeah, that I mean, because I, I think it, it taps into kind of that general trend. You know, you know, I deal with this all the time on, on companies looking to create, you know, sustainable cultures. Like, how do you create a culture that really helps the entire individual thrive? You know, not only intellectually but physically, you know, spiritually, emotionally, and creating some kind of mindfulness, you know, approach or, or mindfulness sensitivity. You know, whether it's you know, meditation or whether you have a particular spiritual connection or practice that you're following. But it's, it's interesting to see cannabis kind of now slip into this area as being a tool that people are using to create kind of this mindfulness, you know, presence uh, in their kind of lives. But I think that, you know, also poses a big challenge. Like, how do we integrate some of these things into the greater culture? Because I think that, yes, we've got this segment of people that are focused on wellness and mindfulness that have a particular take on it. But as this sort of shifts to, you know, the middle America kind of uh, segment, how how do you see it? I guess, do you see this as being everyone kind of learning how to adopt these same kind of approaches to mindfulness? Or is this mindfulness will start to take these different segments or take these different facets and apply it in different ways? Like, where where do you see this going as a kind of cultural phenomenon? Hmm, That's a great question. I mean, I think, For me, the hope is that your average person will just sort of like get it. There might sound like there's a little bit of judgment on my part because, you know, as an artist and like a free spirited type person, I have personally felt very oppressed just in the world in general, trying to forge my own way or do my own thing. I mean, how many times you hear no for something that should absolutely be a yes, you know, it's just very annoying to me. So whether cannabis can play a part in that or transcendental meditation, like David Lynch, Whatever it takes, like, I would like to live in a more free world. And by free, I don't even mean politically free. You know, I know people have a lot of problems with this administration, which, of course, I do, too. But beyond that, I think it's more of a mental prison where people are truly living, like, in a lot of ways, sort of, like, enslaved by their jobs or what they think family should look like or society. And I, I guess maybe peripherally cannabis does play a role in that. I mean, maybe it will roll into the mainstream. I mean, you do have people taking like prescription drugs for a lot of the issues yeah. that they have, right? So, so if, I think maybe that would be phase step one or phase one. Maybe yeah. Well, you know, I can see. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, but I think that's as we as we kind of 
you know, step out of the traditional, you know, kind of weed culture, you know, and, and walking down the street smoking into like, I don't know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, the, the soccer mom who's, you know, going off to yoga throws on the, the patch or, you know, does a tincture or something like that, you know, as part of their wellness regime. I mean, I, I, like I can envision that, you know, this because of the new kind of products and the way that cannabis is kind of shifting from a perception or an application point of view, you know, I go to Starbucks, you know, do I have my, you know, do I stop at Starbucks and then stop at my cannabis dispensary? And, you know, that's kind of my normal routine. It's not, you know, caffeine is a, a regularly used pharmaceutical for, you know, day-to-day purposes. Is cannabis going to kind of get to that level or not? I think right. it's, it's an interesting question, right? I think it's a, it's a question that the answer to you is going to dramatically shape where this business goes or where the industry goes. How people consume. Yeah, just how it, how it integrates into the culture. I mean, you know, Howard Schultz, when he put together the, uh, you know, the idea of coffee, I mean, whatever, 20 years ago, when he was looking at the use of coffee, it was really bad coffee at diners and, and things like that. I mean, the whole idea of an espresso bar was pretty foreign to the American market till he kind of conceived of it. You know, is there going to be a Howard Schultz with cannabis that comes in and says, hey, I've got this new idea for the corner dispensary that is, you know, a place to hang out. And we've got, you know, all these different kind of applications or, or different kind of products in, in different ways that, you know, appeal to lots of different markets and um, it's possible. And if it goes that way or to the extent that it goes that way, it's going to have a huge impact on the industry. I, I don't know if that's from your point of view, if that's a good or a bad kind of outcome for cannabis. But I think it is. It certainly people are talking about it. Like, what is, where does this actually go? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say, you know, you could see the CBDs is taking that, like, yeah. preliminarily, you know, like, there's CBD coffee now, like, flower power coffees and some mainstream cafes and yeah. all that, you know, I mean, it doesn't have the psychoactive element, yeah. but it's part of the plant, Yeah. you know, yeah. um, I don't know, if you did project that, how long do you think it would take to see stuff like that, like a cafe or something. Well, I, you know, I think it's one of those things. Over, overnight successes take a long time, right? So, it, you know, we always kind of look at the the final kind of hockey stick curve on these things and say, oh my gosh, this this thing was an overnight success. You know, meanwhile, if you look at it, these people are probably working on it for 5, 10, 15 years. So to the extent that, yes, we may see big, you know, kind of uh, moves or, or, or things that all of a sudden appear to come out of nowhere and appear to like, oh, this is a craze. The fact is, I think these things are already in play and it's kind of figuring out, you know, where where are some of these, you know, on the path of kind of developing, you know, are they five years out? Are they 10 years out? I'm not sure which one it's going to be, but I know there'll be one. <laughs> so it's kind of figuring out like where where do we place some of these bets? But I think it's going to it's going to have an impact. And I think, like you said, it you know, it might be the CBDs. It might be some other form of it. It might be a particular application. It might be integrated into other products. It may not be the product itself, but it might be, you know, uh, something that gets integrated into other things, uh, other other consumables or other lifestyle applications. But I think that's, uh, that's certainly going to happen. Uh, the question is kind of when. Right. I mean, overall, I see it as a, a, li- a very liberating tool. I mean, like, again, on a personal note, when I consume or have consumed, it takes me to a place I don't necessarily like. It's almost yeah. like a reverse effect, as most people I know. It's hilarious. Yeah. I'm like, do you ever feel this way? They're like, no. So I don't know if my endocannabinoid system is <laughs> yeah. the opposite, which is possible. But, but what I've seen in general is a very liberating tool. I mean, whether it's medicinally or spiritually or, you know, for the economy or bringing out these social justice issues, it just seems like it's opening up so many different conversations that I'm certainly supportive of. Yeah. 
Interesting. So, and if you were uh, if, if you were an entrepreneur or someone that's sort of interested in getting into the to the cannabis business, where any any suggestions or things that you think they should look at or areas that fo- focus? Wow. I don't know. I feel like some of the accessories are really cool, yeah. like CBD vapes and like the different strains you can put like the oil vapes and stuff and the different kinds of like the different kinds of consumption you know yeah. they, in the different the way that they combine it is cool i would probably want to do something like that like how you affect your high or affect the way it directly affects you you know you're not just eating like an edible or smoking a joint it's like really scientific the way they're doing it yeah, sort of customized you know customized product or, or being able to customize your experiences you know, mm-hmm. I think is a good one. Good. Uh, Randy, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. We're, we're at time here. So if people want to find out more about you or Honeysuckle Magazine, what's the best way to get more information? We are uh, honeysucklemag.com. We're actually coming out with our seventh issue called One, which is all about sustainability, spirituality, holistic thinking. And we'll have a lot about cannabis in our honey pot, as well as a ton about hemp. We went to the Northern Colorado Hemp Oh, Expo. fascinating. Cool. Yeah. Interviewed a lot of people there, the founder, the NOCO and all that. So look out for that. It should be on shelves September 1st. We'll have some great launch events we'll invite everyone to. And you can email us at honey at honeysucklemag.com. Awesome. And I'll make sure that those the link and the email is in the show notes here so people can click through to that. Again, thank you so much for being on the program. It's It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.